0: welcome to the winged wheel podcast here to talk all things hockey are your hosts brad crisco ryan Hanna, and evan lobsinger
1: what's it been like a year since we've done a bradless episode
0: i was trying to think about the last time we did one without brad do you think we did one during the pandemic Uh,
1: no no i don't think we've done a pandemic episode without brad no
0: I don't even know if we had the new table and have done an episode without Brad. No. It's been a long time.
1: Yeah. The last one I can remember him missing was either when he had the flu, which was like this was before COVID, or when he split his lip, he busted his lip open like an idiot.
0: Or his shoulder, right?
1: Yeah. A lot of injury
0: related. Huh. It's been a long time. I know. It's (laughs) weird.
1: I don't even know what to do. I mean, I feel bad. So, um, Brad's not in today, um, unexpectedly. he uh, It's not his injury this time, but it is a hockey injury. Uh, Mika apparently took an errant puck off the post and is, uh, is going to need stitches, the poor little one, but, you know, battle scars.
0: I, I feel, definitely feel bad for her because that sucks as a kid, but there's just something inherently hilarious about kids getting hurt. I it's just because like, I'm not a parent, and that's why. <laughs> but I just like dr- have this comedic vision of what happened, and it just, I kind of, it kind of made me laugh. But I feel so bad for her.
1: Knowing the kid's tough as nails does make it a lot easier.
0: Definitely knowing that
1: knowing that Brad probably shot that puck and was immediately just was just like, oh my god!
0: <laughs> I can just see it. He was just trying way too hard, like being a bro. And then just ripped one off the post and it just took a funny hop and just beat poor a little Mika. <laughs> Hit
1: his young daughter. <laughs> oh, man. I will, I will say they are like the quintessential hockey family purely in that they are constantly playing in their free time, which I'm appalled that they ever have any based on our account of Brad's life. And they are constantly getting injured through hockey.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, wait till Hank starts playing too. Like. man it'll just be hockey all the time and it'll just be one hockey injury to the next
1: that kid is built like a tank he's gonna just steamroll people
0: yeah absolutely
1: when he turns 13 he's gonna deck brad in a scrimmage and it's gonna be hysterical
0: oh yeah he's gonna be bigger than brad for sure unless something's out of left field happens he's gonna be a monster
1: well um brad's not in you're going to be stuck with uh, Evan and I for today, so we'll do our best to either fill the void or help you appreciate the peaceful silence depending on where you fall on Brad. Uh, without further ado, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. A man down, I'm Ryan Hanna.
0: And I'm Evan.
1: I like that you uh, you gave a little pause there, just uh, for the spirit of Brad to come through.
0: Yeah, you know, you just got to pay tribute.
1: Um, It's funny because one of the main topics for this episode is actually uh, Jeff Blashill and better judgment would say wait for brad to come back before diving into it but i think it'd be hysterical to talk about it without him because you know we're gonna he's gonna bring it up again anyway so we may as well
0: it's uh not the first jeff blashill conversation and certainly not the last so you know we're just building it up a little bit for brad so when he we come to this conversation again he'll have even more talking points to to discuss
1: he's uh he's not gonna let certain things go from the last game and i'm 100 confident in that it confident in that so you know he's just gonna say something like okay before we move forward i just want to talk about this from last game i don't know if you guys talked about it last episode but i need to say my piece like he's gonna say that phrase word for word
0: yes I i would be betting on that big time
1: yeah fanduel sportsbook put out betting odds on what brad is gonna say next episode um on this episode of the podcast, we are going to be talking about the Red Wings' most recent game against the Blackhawks. Um, a little bit about that before jumping into some uh, conversation about Jeff Blashill stemming from the uh, post-trade deadline presser that Eisenman had. Um, and then some news for the kids. Kids are all right. Valeno news, Cider news, Raymond news. Uh, before talking about some of the goings on around the NHL. And then overtime. We'll see where that takes us. Okay. Uh the Red Wings streak of glory is over. Um it was a three-game win streak. Was it a three Yeah, it was a three-game win streak. Uh, Carolina, Carolina and then Chicago 4-1. Uh and then last night on Saturday night they fell to Chicago 4-nothing and what ended up being a I don't know, uglier loss than usual. <sighs> You can't expect the Red Wings to win four in a row. I'm not saying it's impossible, but if they don't, you can't be like shocked and mad that it happened. There's only so much that, you know, superstar Adam Ernie can do to elevate this team. But man, the complete and utter failure of the power play last night was just like gutting to watch.
0: Yes, especially when at some point one of the power play units is Chalosky, Verana,
1: Gagne, Philpla, Namesnikov.
0: Yeah. See, I couldn't even remember who it was. My brain has that, tried to get it out of, out of me.
1: And that was the first power play unit. Like that was coming out to start a power play down goals in the game. I think that at that point, that might have been when Larkin and Zadina were benched because they had, I don't know. A little streak where it seems like any shot that when they were on the ice, they didn't allow a ton of shots, but the shots that happened when they were on the ice went in. I don't know if it was a specific giveaway or a missed assignment or whatever that pissed off Blash Hill, but uh, Zadina and Larkin sat for a lot, and and that's the power play unit they got. Um, I think the point where we can probably count on Brad having several small strokes was when they had a five on three and dumped it into the zone.
0: Yeah, that's uh, probably not the best strategy that I could think of on a five on three. <laughs> it's like I'm not sure I can think of worse though.
1: They started the the power play of course with with possession in the zone with the offensive face off. And um I don't know, everyone just bottled it. Like they all just it seemed like they were triple guessing every decision they made, skated into traffic. Like, you have all this space on a 5 on 3. They just didn't play it well. And I can't remember the last time they had a 5 on 3 of that length. So it's probably a little bit of like a rust thing. And when you don't have a super skilled team, you're not going to just, you know, pick it up and go with Matthews, Marner, Tavares, uh, Riley. Like, it's just not what the personnel the Red Wings are working with. But okay, whatever. You lose the zone on a 5 on 3. That's fine. You had 45 seconds left coming into the zone carry it in walk it in you could probably eat a crab walk in there like it's it's you know gym class and grade school but no they they dumped it in yeah it was something to watch
0: yeah well you you kind of hinted on it right like this team just is not uber skilled they aren't gifted with one of the best goal scorers in the league they don't have a mitch marner like the creativity aspect is bare bone is is grade three art Yeah. best? <laughs> so, you know, there's no excuse for really dumping it in on a five on three, because you definitely should be maintaining possession, but yeah, yeah. It's just another another chapter in the Red Wings rebuild, kinda just or maybe it's not even a chapter, it's probably just a page at this point. Um It's tough, you know, when the losses come some hurt more than others and and last night being against chicago getting shut out by malcolm suban that's a that's a tougher one to swallow yeah
1: it's like i'm not going to sit here and shout and say this has like a a, this can inform some pretty definitive opinions about the red wings this year or here's one thing we should be especially angry at like no the red wings played bad power play was bad personnel decisions were at points questionable depending on your opinion that's the story of every loss this year um i'm not even going to say larkin and zadina should never be sat in their lives like that's just not the case it is a lot more noticeable when you take away larkin
0: and zadina cuz that's,
1: that's that's detroit's it. two best players
0: yeah outside of zadina larkin verana the talent drops off significantly and the red wings don't really have that luxury mind you you could say you know this season's really has no purpose at this point um at least by standings um so what's the harm in sitting them for x amount more minutes or less minutes per game uh just for one game to try and instill some some, instill something right yeah but still when you're down you can't be you gotta you gotta ride your horses every other top team in the league does it unless you're toronto in the playoffs um you, you got to do it, right? Like last night, Cholaski leads the team with 15 minutes in ice time. If we remove Nielsen from the time on ice, the lowest on the team was Rasmussen with 10 minutes. So you got a five-minute spread between your entire team. And the first forward, the highest forward is at 13 minutes. Like that just, it's Larkin. Like that's just not going to get it done. Larkin's got to be playing way more than that even if he's having a bad game, you got to let him work it out a little bit. Like we can't have Dennis Cholosky, Stetcher, Stalin, Hronik into Kaiser as your top minute eaters, uh, and expect to win. Like it's just, it's just not a recipe for success.
1: And uh, like, I'm not saying top players, like, I know I just said this. I'm not saying they should never be sat. uh, Thinking back to Mantha earlier in the year, Mantha deserved that benching. Like, I disagree with a lot of Blatchel's personnel decisions, and I disagree with a lot of you know opinions regarding Mantha. Uh, but uh, I think he deserved that benching; that was an effort thing. But I sometimes worry, and I'm talking about Dennis Cholowski here. And that's what I'm going to hint at in a second. I sometimes worry that there's too much of a culture of if you're good, you have no room for error. The whole we expect better from you, and we need you to be better. Like that's fine as an overall premise, but I just feel sometimes it's too biting on players who can't tough up to that. The players who don't have the natural callous, the players who just need a different type of development path. Uh, Brad commented on this during the game. Like, Cholosky looks like he's playing scared. Like, looked like he was playing scared to make a mistake. And, I mean, that tracks with how up and down and unforgiving they've been with with his time. I'm not saying he's deserved to be in the NHL and he hasn't been. I don't think he has necessarily deserved it. But... (sighs) Maybe that's not the kind of, you know, tough love he needs.
0: Yeah, I think it's definitely a bit of scar tissue at this point with him because it, that's sort of been the 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 status quo with him, right? Like, he plays decently well enough to be in the roster and then he makes one or has one bad shift, one bad game, and then he's back in the doghouse. Like, I certainly feel bad for him. Um, and it's tough, you know, for him to look around and be like, I'm – most likely better than these guys. Like he could have a potential longer term on this team. So I don't know. The Dennis Cholosky development saga is uh, one of mystery.
1: Yeah. It's hard, right? Like we always talk about, uh, you know, developing these young guys and the team is bad, but let's at least get some development out of these young guys. And I think sometimes there should be more attention paid to the fact that that's not something that you can necessarily separate out. If you're playing on a bad team, it's harder to develop. All of your flaws are way more exposed. And Cholosky is a defenseman with a major flaw, which is that he's not necessarily defensively responsible. It's a pretty big gap in his game. And you know, if you have absolutely no support in that way, you're going to be absolutely destroyed at the NHL level. And so, I don't think he's had any amount of forgiveness or leeway, just in terms of the the, the teams he's playing against and the, the teammates he has um and so when the coaching staff is a little tougher on him yeah i i think that's just that that's a recipe for the cheloski we see today and i don't know what the solution is here right like what do you say Blash? you'll go develop him differently but maybe this is just not the right environment for cheloski to thrive i don't know i really yeah, don't know
0: some guys just don't work coming into a bottom feeder like that's just how it is it takes an ultra special player to turn the tides on a, on a bad team. Like it takes, you know, a a superstar talent to just come in and start building up a team. Like it it is incredibly difficult. So yeah, like you said, when you're a mediocre depth, replaceable piece, whatever you want to call it, like you are going to look that much worse because everyone around you is sort of the same caliber player.
1: Um, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, Jeff Blashill and his future with the team. But first, um, I miss this, but I do want to call attention to it. Uh, we're partnered with the Jamie Daniels foundation, uh, which is a children's foundation initiative that was established in the memory of Jamie Daniels and founded by Jamie's father, who you'll know as Red Wings lead announcer, Ken Daniels. In Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels Goldman, uh, the foundation strives to end the stigma of substance use disorder and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. Go visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org to find out more. Um, in Eisenman's post-trade deadline press conference, he got a question regarding the future of of Jeff Blashill because his contracts expired at the end of the season. So we have, what, a dozen or so games left before uh, the Jeff Blashell question is an a actual real tangible one and not one just in the future. And I don't really know what to make of Eisman's response. My pessimist nothing means anything with Eisenman part of me, which I think is the dominant theory here, is that when Eisman said... I haven't had any conversations with Blashell about that. Uh, At the end of the season, him and I will sit down and, and chat about it. I felt that was pretty innocuous. I felt that was Eisenman wasn't telling us anything one way or another. And I wouldn't be too hopeful that just because it sounded short and blunt that it's anything more than that's just the way Eisenman speaks to media.
0: Yeah, you know, it's pretty much right down the middle of the line, so... Maybe a good comment for podcast because you can take it any sort of direction you want. (laughs) It wasn't definitive one way or the other. So we can speculate all we want. Yeah, just bullshit about it. But it's kind of status quo for what how Steve Eisenman is, right? Like he's very tight lipped and cards are always to the chest. So I don't really think anything of it. Um, I I feel like anything I'd say on it would be just personal bias or subjectivity on it.
1: I don't know. My my overall theory of how Eisman feels about the team right now is that he actually does not give a shit about the record this season. He just wants it to not be an absolute travesty. And if you can just get through the season looking like a respectable, and I'm not saying this ironically, like a respectable 28th to 31st overall team, that's it. Because he still wants a high draft pick because he knows, by God, we need it. And he just wants to make sure that fans aren't so tuned out that they don't ever buy jerseys or tickets again when fans can buy, you know, tickets more on mass. So you, you take that and then what do you apply it to or and apply that to the coaching situation? Then I really don't think it's crazy to imagine that Eisman's going to bring back Blashill the same way he brings back, you know, RFAs and young guys right now on a short term deal.
0: Yeah, at the end of the day, it's just, a, it's another resource. Mind you, their role and responsibility is vastly different. But this could be the solution for now. If he likes what Blaschel's doing with the the, the youth, uh, that's, you know, very much up for, up for debate. Um, then I could see Blaschel sticking around for another year or two. Um, somewhere, I think I just heard Brad scream.
1: he's sprinting to his laptop right now yeah
0: um would that be my you know plan of attack i don't think so especially because the gerard gerard Gallant storyline is too good to pass up on and too good of a coach to to pass up on um but at the end of the day it's the red wings aren't in last place you know, I mean we'd have to try they'd have to try a lot harder to beat Buffalo this year. Um like the wings are sitting in twenty-sixth position, like from last year to now, that might be viewed as a massive step forward. Um, you know, this year is certainly not a standard season, but just if you just look at where the positioning of the team in the league standings, like that's a huge jump. Mind you, Buffalo's been Buffaloing. Vancouver's down there and has played like thirty-six games, so they're way behind. But you know, if you just look at it in a vacuum, that might be mission accomplished for this season.
1: Well, yeah, and that's a really good point. So the Red Wings are at sixteen wins in forty-six games so far this year. Last year in seventy-one games, they had seventeen wins. To illustrate just how much of an improvement there they are, like they're at their overall points percentage last year. So of an available. Um, you know, full amount, two points per game. They scored 0.275. That was their points percentage total. The, the next worst team was 0.437 last year, which was Ottawa. Currently this year, the Red Wings are sitting not last in the league, like you said, 26, and they're at a 0.413 points percentage. That's a significant improvement. Before the start of the year, I drew some arbitrary lines. I said, I want Detroit to be at a roughly like 72 to 74 point pace around there. What is an average worst team or bottom-feeding team? And that's currently what they're tracking to do. Before last game, they they were on a 69-point pace over the course of a full season. Nice. Yeah, there it is. Um, That obviously is down since the loss, but still, they've been hovering hovering around there. And honestly, as the team has gotten healthier and and shook off the rust at the start of the season, I think there have been stretches – you know, once he got past that abysmal playoff or sorry, playoff uh, power play slump um, where they put together some good stretches of play. And, and you know, they were a good team defensively and, and they were hard to play against and they beat some top teams. And you know what? It doesn't matter what you think about Blashill, whether you love him or hate him. He does deserve credit for that. If, if we're going to bash on him for the losses like we just did about last night, we think a lot of that is attributed to some decisions he made. He deserves a lot of, of praise for you know, putting it together, I do think this year has had a better roster. You know,
0: I, oh for sure, yeah. yeah like it, it was definitely the year of addition by subtraction. Hundred percent. My only real concern going forward is, you know, all these players are UFAs. Like at some point, you've got to get your your prospects into the lineup, and then we'll really start to see what direction this team is going in. Because if they just keep putting in the replacements year after year you're going to just be spinning tires so at some point they got to start passing the baton to see what this team could really what the potential of this roster really is and if they're going in the right direction because right now I don't really know
1: was last year just an anomaly and this year they just suck normally or was it an improvement right like adding Bobby Ryan and adding Stetcher and and before they got traded Merrill and Nemeth like those are all things that help the team sure but was this just a regression to the mean in general? Was last year just this like crazy out-of-this-world bad season?
0: Yeah, well, we'll find out now after the trade deadline to see how big of an impact those additions were. And hopefully, you know, segueing into one of our next topics is Joe Villano, uh being called to the taxi squad, getting him a look into the, into the lineup, see what he could potentially has like, we're gonna get glimpses of where this team could go in the future. Um, but right now it's just I, I don't really know unless we're gonna end up resigning half of well, we'll probably have to resign half the team, but uh, yeah, I just I don't really know what this team to make of this team right now.
1: It's not popular, but I can see Blashill coming back on a one year deal. I can see Eisman saying, I don't have a guy right now that I'm like head over heels about. Or that wants to come here um, I need to suck for a little while longer because I don't think Eisman thinks his team is gonna be ready after one more bad draft my hot take that I think it's gonna piss people off is that this Mantha trade isn't the last trade of its kind where Detroit trades a player who's contributing to them now in a positive way like say Fabry or Bertuzzi or Verona um, I think another one of those is coming probably within the next year or two and um, and if that timeline is as long as Eisman says it is, which is like that's the only thing he's been candid and honest about since he's come to Detroit. Having a coach in Jeff Blasio, you know what the results are going to be and you don't want to just shake things up for the sake of shaking them up. I, I I see it as a possibility. My preference, and I think it's definitely a greater chance than it was last season, would be to move on from Blasio. But, yeah, I I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him brought back for just a one-year, hey. Yeah, not much has changed we're going to continue to see this thing go and and like you mentioned evan we're going to evaluate based on some better tools that we're going to try to give you
0: And one thing people don't really think about is not every coach wants to coach a bottom feeder um, a rebuilding team there could have been conversations that gerard uh, with gerard glan he said no thank you we we don't know percent. and that's pure speculation but like, uh, look at Daryl Sutter. He, oh, this is ironic at this point, but he, he said he doesn't want to coach a non-playoff team. Like, he wants to coach for a team that he believes can win the Stanley Cup. Joke's on him. <laughs> he should have read, the, read the, the roster a little bit better. But uh, there's lots of back backroom conversations like that. Like, Jared Gallant could, could be completely off the table at this point. And we're just rolling with what we got and with the best option available.
1: One hundred percent. There's a there's a propensity for people to build out these like dream scenarios or these like black and white like one two three these are the steps of how we get this coach and it's just that's not the way it works. These are human beings. They could they could the coach could want to come, but their partner or, or spouse could say, "No, I'm not moving to Detroit." Exactly. I love it in Long Island. Like Lane Lambert could like could say, "Yeah, my family doesn't want to move here, and I don't want to live away from my family right now." So.
0: Yeah, you know, there's coaches where they can pick their time and place, and that's maybe not the best coach to bring in, like a Hitchcock type coach. Mm-hmm. Um so Jeff Blaschel might be the, the best choice available right now.
1: In Eisman's eyes, yeah.
0: Yeah, like we we just don't know. I wish we had a GM who was like or a GM that was like super involved on Twitter <laughs> and uh actually gave some information so that we could feel something rather than just us speculating around the campfire.
1: Let's just say uh let's start a new rumor that it's going to be Igor Igor Larionov. I want it to be Igor. I would love to see Igor in the NHL.
0: Yeah, me too. Like he has one of the best minds in hockey. Um and and he's I think he works really well with with the the youth um at the World Juniors for example. I think it would could be a strong fit. Um but there's so many different things that go into that decision. Yeah. And they might just, he might just not be interested. He looks like, think of how skilled and how smart he thinks the game. Can you imagine him behind the bench right now when Darren anybody was- under outside the top <laughs> line or out on the ice? He, it's like Wayne Gretzky being behind the bench. He's probably like, this is, people actually think like this or don't think like this. Like it could just be a nightmare scenario. That's another thing you want to avoid. You don't want the coach that's too good.
1: No, (laughs) I don't know about Wayne. I I kind of I think of Wayne as I think of like my organic chemistry and uh, embryology profs, just like absolutely brilliant in their fields. But holy shit, I could not learn from them. They were way too smart. And I wonder if that was the case with Wayne.
0: Yeah, where where they just get it, and they're like, I don't understand how you don't understand.
1: I yeah. literally had a professor tell me that once. He's like, I don't understand how you don't get this. And I was like, well, oh, that's cool. I heard you paid a lot of money to not have this be the case. So if we could work this out together.
0: Yeah, that's be. that's essentially a mathematics degree in, in a nutshell. There's like just higher levels every single time. And uh, you just try to uh, keep up. And when you don't understand it, they try their best to explain it to you and They break it down slow, more slowly into more granular and I still never got it. So yeah, I feel that.
1: Yeah. I was laughing with my brother about, you know, having a science degree and then I'm not working in, you know, biomed or anything like that. He's like, yeah, you, you." (laughs) mom and dad thought you were going to be a doctor. You got your degree and now you're a podcaster. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, mom and dad. Um, You segued into the next point, which I should probably let us flip over to here. Uh, Joe Valeno. Uh, We mentioned before that he was recalled to North America. Uh, His quarantine period is just about over today at the time of recording. I believe that's when it lands on. Uh, He has been recalled to the Red Wings taxi squad. And it seems like his audition in the NHL um, is imminent. Nothing is certain for sure. He's recovering from a kind of like whiplash concussion situation that he sustained a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago in Sweden. Um, So he has to get through the protocol and feel better before he can play. But uh, right now he's traveling with the team um, in their next couple of games Monday and Tuesday night uh, against Dallas. I believe that's at Dallas for both games. And the plan is for him to practice with them. And I think it's pretty soon where we're we're going to see this uh, short, uh, you know, ELC audition where we get a little bit of as, uh at the end of the season, just as a treat.
0: He gets 10 games, right? Or nine games.
1: I think it was actually reduced because of the pandemic here. Mm. But yeah, he gets that limited number of games. I, I, I want to say seven. I don't have it in front of me. If I was smarter, I would have pulled up the notes. But yeah, he, he can get a certain amount of games before it burns a year of his ELC. I'll, I imagine they want his ELC to slide because everything's on a super long timeline right now. Um, but sure. yeah, that's, that's an exciting thing for Red Wings fans. That's like a, that's like a win in, in and up itself.
0: Yes. Can't wait for him to slot in with Sam Gagne and Darren Helm on the fourth line. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've talked about this before where it's like the Stonecutters Simpsons episode. Where Homer's got the rock behind him and then he turns out to be like the the prophet or something for the stone cutters. And then he gets the bigger rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're the chosen one, Joseph Valeno. Here's the bigger rock. You get Sam Garnier, Darren Helm on your line. Best that of luck. That is
1: so horrifyingly apt. I love a good Simpsons reference. They have one for everything. Um, yeah, the, the 10 game requirement was prorated to seven games for this season
0: so basically almost the rest of the season. Yeah,
1: he, I mean there's there's ample opportunity to get him in there. Let's say Velino comes in. Um I think the point, I think what they should do is at some point in there. Maybe not the first game, maybe not right away, but at some point you try him out at center, right? Like that's what you want to kind of start to
0: get a look at. Well, what's the harm in, in putting him there at this point, right? Like we're not battling for a playoff spot, you know. No. The teams below Detroit don't seem to be making up any ground, so it looks like we're kind of stuck in twenty sixth, twenty seventh. Throw them in there.
1: Yeah, if if you're, you know, if you have a strong enough will to bench Larkin and Zadina, when that's you know almost your entire offense except for the current Adam Ernie hot streak and Verona, you can play Joe Valeno at center. Um, will he do well at center? Right now, I don't know. Probably not. It's hard. To to come into the NHL and, and be an effective center right away, especially when you're a guy like Joe Valeno, who, at seems like every step of the way needs time to adjust the league he's playing in. Uh, but it would be good to to see him get a look there. And you know what, this is just such like it, it's it's the most smooth brained, simple minded thing you can think of. But I would love to see him get some center time with some good talent around him. I would love to see him get some center time with Zadina with him, with with Verano with him. If Faber- that's not happening. Back- no, <laughs> no. if Fabry comes back anytime soon, stick Fabry on his wing. Um, put Rasmussen on his wing. I think that would be fun to do just to see what they can do together. Um,
0: if you think I Joseph understand- Valeno is part of the future of the Detroit Red Wings, you got to put him around some, I'll air quotes, better talent. Because putting him with guys who aren't going to be there in three or two to five years, what the hell is the point in that? Yeah.
1: I like I I do see the 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 merit in giving him sheltered minutes. So of course he's going to bl- sure. be playing with like Filippo and Gagne. That's just the nature of it. That's probably more of a we only want you playing eight minutes or ten minutes tonight, and thus these are your line mates kind of thing. Rather than you know you're being punished for existing, and here's Filippo and, and Gagne. And I actually hate lumping Gagne in there because I think for his role he's having a quietly effective season. But still, um,
0: it could be you but, could, there's six other options we could insert in his name. <laughs>
1: 100%. I actually was going to say Nielsen, but I feel bad because he took that hit from Stillman last night. And I was just like, I don't know. Poor guy didn't deserve that. So I, I kind of feel bad ripping on him right now. But yeah, I, regardless, like this is a fun little side story. This is akin to the, the, the Svechnikov playing against his brother thing that Red Wings fans are rooting for. Is it going to shake the world? Or are they going to find the next Connor McDavid in this prospect? Is it going to absolutely blow everyone's minds? And the tra- trajectory for the rebuild? No, of course not. But it's fun to see the, the young guys get a chance, and it's a it's a cool thing to root for.
0: It was like two years ago where they let Chris Chelio's son play I don't know how many games it was for the Red Wings, and mm-hmm. Taro Hirose was up, and, like, yeah, the Red Wings are horrible. Yeah. But it was good to, you know, lift the veil a little bit and, and get a peek at what potential some of these guys might have. Mm-hmm. And
1: like you mentioned, Evan, I, I think that's a good point to touch on, which is that if you believe Valeno is part of this team's future and the Red Wings have to hope he is right. Um, yes. I think for his draft stock, I think Valeno has done well. He hasn't been a barn burner in terms of counting stats, but he had like 21 points or something this year. Yeah. 20 points in 46 games in the SHL with a pretty bad momo team, all things considered. Um, took a while to get going, but then when he did, he did, right. Uh, they need Villano not to be the next Dylan Larkin, which I don't think anyone reasonable would be counting on them to do that, but they would really, really do well to have Volano play second or third line center, be the kind of guy who can play up and down the ice. We've seen him display some pretty uh, good creativity offensively. Like he has the skill is there. He can move. We know he can play at both ends of the ice. Um, when he was in the ahl at least i know they were working on parts of his games that were like had a lot to do with you know if you want to become a mature nhl with center responsibility here are the things we need you to start doing and that's not the kind of conversation you're having with a young guy in the ahl unless you believe you can do it so the trick is with valeno he's 21 you know he was drafted three after this draft it'll be three drafts ago you still have to be patient with him it, these are just first steps, but yeah, you, hopefully these are the first steps into Detroit finding second, third line center um, that can play behind Larkin.
0: And with Franzen out, going in against Dallas might be a good time for him. Um, Franzen, what did I say? Uh, Nielsen. <laughs> I was thinking Franz, and then just added his e n to the end. I was like, yeah. Well, Franzen's Franzen. out too. Yeah. <laughs> um, with Nielsen so. out, um, now might be the best time to get him in. Um, I think that, are they at Dallas or is Dallas yeah. in Detroit? Yeah, they're at Dallas.
1: Both
0: might be a good time to get him in. Um, you know, you might, if you don't, if you're not learning anything from your teammates, you know, the other sentiment on Dallas are have, have had a pretty good careers, so, um, there could be some opportunities to learn from them as well. So he's, you know, we can't, not every game can be against Buffalo, Chicago. Um, you gotta play against some half decent players. So I, I'm, I'm all good to throw him in against anybody at this point
1: if he's feeling healthy actually the next four games against dallas thursday and saturday are both in detroit actually so it's it's four games two in dallas and two in detroit um but yeah as honestly as long as he's feeling healthy toss him in there and even if it's only four or five games right or or whatever it is where they put him in he you know he gets his look fans are happy voleno's happy he gets some nhl ice and then they say ah you know He's really struggling struggling out there. He's a little gassed. He's a little bit outpaced. He's a little bit outmuscled right now. That it's totally fine. And that's to be expected. You can't be too upset about that, but as long as you kind of get the look in, you know.
0: Yep. Just trying to dip dip his toes in a little bit. Uh let him see what the the NHL program is like. Yeah. See if he gets the stone of triumph <laughs> rather than the stone of shame.
1: Uh one of you meme accounts, uh, there's some content for you right there. Um Luke lucas raymond starting next season signed his elc three-year entry-level contract so look at that another nice little thing for red wings fans
0: doesn't that mean he can now be traded i thought he
1: could be traded before you could I like trade no the idea. rights to players
0: that's a brad question <laughs> yeah
1: um but still did you get that from the freaking troll trade wwp trade rumors account
0: i have no idea i just ingest a bunch of twitter yeah. conversation and some some stick, some don't, and I don't know where it comes from.
1: I can't keep track of the spinoff accounts you guys have. I, I really, truly mean that. And for those listeners who have seen it and think it's us, trust me, one account is hard enough to run. Um, Brad has a habit of randomly capitalizing words, so he's not entrusted for for public communications generally. Um, and I say that confidently knowing he's not going to listen to this. <laughs> oh,
0: episode. we're 30, 37 minutes in. There's not a chance.
1: Absolutely not. No, but uh, you guys are insane. and I can never keep track. Evan Lobb's speaker actually hasn't been around in a while. This might be a good episode for them to come back.
0: Yeah, this might be an outlier in terms of the statistical data, but yeah, it could be. Yeah, it's it's truly an honor to know that we have several meme accounts and tangential accounts run by none of us. Yeah, so it's yeah, comes with the territory,
1: I guess. I'm excited for the onslaught of comments we're going to get across all platforms telling us how amazing it was to hear more from Evan and we should let Evan speak more. And Evan is, you know, better than me and Brad combined. And we wish it was only Evan and Evan, Evan, Evan,
0: Evan. Evan. You know, it's not me saying those things either because running just my Twitter account is more than enough for me. So (laughs) you don't even do it. (laughs) I
1: know. If you didn't recite things that happened on Twitter, I would have a hard time believing you were ever actually on it. But you truly do just lurk there like a freak in the corner, just watching everything and never participating.
0: It truly is the best spot for me to get my echo chamber information.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, what else is Twitter for if not to galvanize
0: the worst of your opinions? Yes. Just. It's just a massive machine of confirmation bias.
1: Um, Lucas Raymond signed his ELC it starts next season so we know obviously he won't be in Detroit this year uh, he's still recovering I believe from his uh, elbow injury I guess there's a chance he could sign uh, an amateur tryout it with um, Grand Rapids and come over although I'm not sure you know with games being postponed and in the COVID situation and his recovery that they're going to want to do that um, we've mentioned this on previous episodes I guess it remains to be seen but at the very least We know he'll be over next season. And some other bit of news about the Red Wings overseas. uh, To absolutely no one's surprise, Moritz Sider is one of the nominees for Defenseman of the Year in the SHL.
0: Yes, I can't say I saw many of their games, but every single highlight I saw was him just manhandling or people thinking they could manhandle him. And he just tossed them aside like they were small children. So, I mean it looks like he may have outgrown that league
1: more insider. There was some conversation earlier in the year when, you know, when he really started to do this to the SHL where people are like, well, this isn't going to translate to the NHL. And I think to a degree to a certain extent, that's true. You know, he's not going to come in and just absolutely dummy, like a Radko Gudas or someone like uh, some brick shithouse, whatever massive player, like a Victor Hedman. I don't know. Um, But I think there is a lot to be said about Sider's physical game and what he's been able to do against players who are heavy hitters by, I guess, by SHL standards, which isn't exactly strong, physically strong league. Um, But he's been able to, like you said, Evan, just toss these guys aside like they're children. Not every player is built like a brick shithouse in the NHL. The NHL is getting smaller and lighter and faster every single year. So, in terms of physicality, as long as Moritz Sider has a position, which it looks like he's, he's really far beyond his years in that part of his defensive game, he's going to be a physical force. I really believe he's going to be a physical force, and it's not going to be that hard to transition.
0: I think he's going to surprise a lot of uh, current NHL players when they end up playing against him because they're going to see a tall, lanky, pimply kid, and he's going to be a wall. Um Yeah. So I think he's going to develop I'll say a reputation um around the league just that he won't he's not going to be intimidated by veteran presence all the other bs that goes on in an NHL game like I think he's just going to play sort of his game and uh I think he'll just continue how he's playing right now into the NHL
1: he's uh he's definitely gonna have a target eh? like they're gonna see that he's able to do that and there's gonna be a lot of players that are gonna say oh okay kid you're huge and you want to throw some hits all right let's throw some hits and they're they're gonna rough him up and they're gonna go after him and that just comes with the territory right
0: like absolutely you know you you play a a a gritty well i shouldn't say gritty but (laughs) you play a more aggressive game that comes with the territory right like don't be shocked if you see more insider in a fight sooner rather than later um yeah. but if there's anybody who I think can handle themselves in one I it would be him.
1: I you put it so well. Like just imagine getting hit by this tall lanky pimply kid like long flow like goofy smile looks like he's just happy to be there and all of a sudden he just rams you through the glass. <laughs> it's going to be a shock to these guys.
0: The the day one of the bigger stronger players on a team The only first one that comes to mind for me as a Tom Wilson type player Um, goes to hit him and doesn't get the expected result that him or his teammates are used to. I think that's where you're going to see a big uh, oh shit moment. Um, Yeah. So I'm excited for it. You know, I I think he's outgrown his current league and he's he's ready to make the jump. Uh, I would love to see him sooner rather than later, at least for some time in Detroit.
1: I don't know what they're going to do. The SHL is a fantastic league. Like a lot of people within the league will say that it's better than the KHL even. Um, but I really just hope and I think there's a good strong chance that he just makes the Red Wings. I really think there there is that opportunity.
0: Well, I would agree. Detroit's defense is no hell. That is for certain. So, if he can he, – he's got a chance, 100%. Whether they – you know, they always like to control the prospects in their ELCs. But I think if he's good enough, like, why not? Give us give us something for the love of God. Give us. something. Yeah, <laughs> if he in uh, like, you know, fans are,
1: you know, fans are going to love him. They already love him because of how much he's, you know, outperformed everyone's expectations. He's made a lot of people, including us, look pretty dumb. Uh, he's a physical game. He plays a physical game, which people love. He's going to sell jerseys. He's going to sell tickets when people are able to buy tickets again. Like that says a lot about, you know, whether or not he's
0: going to stay up. Because he he kind of plays that style of game that Detroit fans, viewers, whatever, really rally around. So I could see him becoming a fan favorite quite quickly.
1: Yeah. European defenseman. First of all, the Red Wings have a big, like, European defenseman hole in their hearts right now ever since Lidstrom left. Not the same game, but yeah, he plays get you out of your seat hockey. Like he plays, you know, we want to see this guy in the LCA hockey. So that you that's a really good point. That might factor into the decision there. Cuz in a bu- in a vacuum, I was going to say in a bubble, which has a completely different meaning now. Uh in a vacuum, yeah, even if he's good enough, they might keep him in the A just because they don't They're want not selling
0: warrant. tickets to games or have like 10% capacity. Like what the hell's the point?
1: Yeah. Um okay. Some news from around the NHL. We we haven't really touched on it since before the whole thing kind of settled, so to speak. But uh, Vancouver is actually currently playing right now for their first time in, oh, how many weeks since their outbreak started? Um And it was... It was supposed to start before, and there was this whole ordeal where there was apparently an agreement between the NHL, the NHLPA, the Vancouver Canucks, the appropriate medical staff to, you know, start the Vancouver Canucks after just one practice. Um, and then JT Miller came out and spoke aggressively against it. And he said, like, he said, like, guys are sick, guys are like recovering, guys are like, this hit us hard, we are not ready. And I can't say for certain that I, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but he, he really openly questioned. The decision and the safety involved and whether this was for the good of the players and then like within what was a few hours the conversations were already happening between the nhl and vancouver and the thing is the nhl or the vancouver official pr account or the official vancouver twitter account retweeted this and that doesn't happen unless the team is in on this oh yeah 100 percent so Good on JT Miller, good on the Vancouver Canucks for speaking up cuz very clearly it wasn't a situation that the players were completely comfortable with. A lot of people will discuss the merits. I don't know, should they even have come back this season?
0: If they're out of the playoffs in my opinion at this point. Like first of all, they they haven't they weren't really practicing for X number of weeks and COVID takes an absolute toll on your respiratory system like it'd be like smoking for an entire week straight and then coming back and trying to play professional hockey like how are you going to feel when Connor McDavid's coming down on you <laughs> and you're you're just gasping for air
1: like Sergei Zubov used to take smoke breaks between periods
0: i used to play with a guy well not that it's at the same level but <laughs> i played with a guy who would hack darts between periods oh, and God. our coach was like when are you going to stop smoking and his w- word his w- words were I'll stop smoking when I stop scoring. Well, he stopped scoring but kept <laughs> smoking. <laughs> yeah, just a just a legendary a legendary line. Um, yeah,
1: that's a beer league classic.
0: Yeah, but like, man, I, I I would have like how do like you want to think like yeah like the seasons kaput at this point and just go by points percentage uh, in the North Division. But there's probably a whole bunch of cascading issues that arise from that that I haven't totally thought out. Um,
1: Sponsorship agreements, TV deals,
0: yep, all stuff it, like that, and yeah, and it kind of feel for the first team that they have to play coming back because you're like, okay, like all their tests are negative, but you know, ne- like you just never know, right? Like, there's always yeah. going to be that lingering doubt in someone on Toronto's mind being like we could potentially be exposed to this and they have a bigger chip in this season or a bigger stake in this season than Vancouver does at this point. So what I, uh, after seeing JT Miller's comments, I would have loved to just put the Vancouver season on ice and, and and call it, but it kind of got a soldier on, I guess, given everything else that that's, it needs to be fulfilled for this season. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. It's such a it's such a tough spot to be for both players, management, owners, the league. Like, it's just – it's tough.
1: Yeah, like, from a human element, you know if you strip everything else away and they said, all right, guys, like, we know you, you don't love the idea of not playing hockey, but at no cost to you, you're not going to have to play the rest of the season. Like, please rest, recover, be safe with your families. Like, this is a scary thing. This is a shitty thing for some of you. For some of you, it wasn't so bad, of course, but just, like – you know, altogether bad situation. Let's just call it here. There would have been an overwhelming, I think, sense of relief. I—that's I, just the general idea you got. When you factor in the fact that they're really not in the playoff race at this point, you yeah, have the, the other percentage percentage thing that there comes into reason. it.
0: The other thing that comes into it is the draft as well, right? Like they—they they certainly could leap leapfrog Detroit. Like, I, let me pull up the league standings. Yeah, they're three points behind with nine games in hand.
1: Their points percentage, I think, is significantly higher than Detroit's.
0: Yeah, it's 0. 0.473, and Detroit is 0.
1: 0.413. Yeah, Detroit right now has the fifth worst uh, points percentage, which means they'd have six best odds in the lottery thanks to Seattle. But yeah, like you never know what's going to happen if they lose like you know, nine games, they've played nine fewer games than Detroit. So if they make up all of those games. They're playing a ton of games in very few days, completely gassed out of practice, out of shape through a a, a landmark in the worst way moment of their season. You can expect Vancouver to lose a lot here. If they don't, it'll be a story. It'll be a major comeback storyline, so to speak, but you can expect them by all rights. They should be losing a lot of games here.
0: It'd be nice for them to like expand the taxi squad restrictions or reduce the restrictions. Um, Allow them to pull in more a- of their AHL uh, players just to like let them rest some guys when they're obviously going to need it. Um, one of the other things I saw that was kind of a radical, but you know, just a brainstorming idea was doing split squad games um, oh. to try and get get them caught up um, and to spread out the time between games a little bit. Um, even if you did it for a week like that would help significantly i'm not sure vancouver really cares where they are in the standings at this point they probably just want to get the season over but i don't see why anything should be off the table to just try and help these guys get through at this point
1: yeah we'll see how it plays out i mean this is the first game against toronto i am assume they're just gonna at this point power through they've gotten through the war or not i don't know how to explain this they've gotten through the height of i think the scrutiny and the uh the conversation now that the start got delayed once I don't really see it rising again but you never know if the players really aren't into it then they'll say something so yeah we'll see the points percentage is there for a reason so yep see how it goes um and very quickly before we jump into overtime here did you see Mantha scored again today
0: I did not but I feel like I could almost just guess that that was going to happen
1: four goals four games one assist in there too um it's funny watching the the absolute like people who need a trade to be like one hundred percent binary, like one winner, one loser. This good, this bad. The people who are like retconning Mantha into like a bad player, like or saying like Detroit got completely burned and we should have known this was gonna happen. Like all of that is just everyone expected this to happen because Mantha's a talented player going to a team full of stars who gives him time and space. Like when he goes on a power play and he's the third like strongest player on that power play unit. He's going to have a lot of time and space and we're going to see him rip him home. Absolutely. That's going to happen. You know, if you're on a power play with Alex Ovechkin pulling a lot of attention from you, you're going to have room that you didn't have in Detroit. You're going to have Nick backs from passing to you, which he didn't have in Detroit. Of course, that's going to happen. He's also more motivated. Players who get traded in a situation like him, they're going to be motivated to perform. They want to do well for their new team. They want to prove their old team wrong. You know, et cetera, et cetera. It it always, always, always happens. That doesn't mean that you have to declare that the Red Wings won the trade or the Red Wings lost the trade or you know Washington got fleeced or they fleeced Detroit. Like it's just, it's a weird discourse that just doesn't. It's a huge waste of breath.
0: I still think Detroit won that trade handedly, but I mean, it, it makes it more stomachable as a Washington fan. When you start to see the guy you just traded for popping off. Yeah. There's, yeah, there doesn't need to be this binary winner or loser. Like I still think Detroit's the winner, but we won't know until they use utilize those picks. But at this time, I I think that's a massive haul for Manta.
1: Yeah. in, In terms of sheer value, the, the way that whether Detroit won or lost that trade is not at all dictated by how Manta plays. Plain and simple, end of story. He can score 50 goals from here to the end of the season, and it will not matter as to how Detroit did in that trade.
0: He wasn't scoring 50 goals in Detroit, I'll tell you that. Yeah. it's
1: <laughs> that, and that's. I mean, that's what it really boils down to. But still, like the fact that Detroit got the return and Eisenman got the return that he did for Anthony Manta, considering his current performance in Detroit or how it was this season – That is what qualifies it as a win. He maximized value on an asset where he really had no business getting that much in return. Thus, it's a win. Anything for Washington really took the risk here. And so far, four games, That's a tiny sample size, paying off for them. Fantastic. They can win too. Could be a a win-win. I don't know if everyone's heard that. Um,
0: Yeah, this is where kind of like being a fan or an analyst or whatever you want to call it deviates from the mindset of a GM because I guarantee you they don't look at like that at all they say we need to add this this is what we don't we're willing to give up because at the end of the day if we win a cup with this player contributing I don't care if we gave up a first round pick no one will ever think about that and they didn't go when Ovi's swimming in the pool and yeah doing keg stands out of the cup no
1: Washington didn't go they didn't go trade they went shopping it was a transaction. They bought something. Yeah. And they bought a tool for their cup run.
0: And if, if I'm a Washington capitals fan or part of the management, I'm thinking this trade is working out big time right now. So long as he doesn't, uh you know, use it all up at the start, this is looking like a real win for them on a team. That's been in a very strong position to contend again.
1: All right. Well, uh, I'm sure people are sick of hearing about that already. So why don't we jump into overtime here, which on this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast is sponsored by the FanDuel Sportsbook, who we are proud to be sponsored by. I said sponsored by twice. FanDuel Sportsbook sponsors the Winged Wheel podcast is what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, and with that, let's get into our little series here where uh, we make some picks uh, based on some betting odds and we'll see how we do. Uh, let's start with the easy one. The next two games: Detroit against Dallas. uh Detroit is coming in as a pretty steep underdog. Dallas is the heavy favorite. um Over/under set at five and a half, with the over being the underdog in that too. I don't know what to make of it. I I, I don't feel comfortable betting on Detroit right now. You know,
0: that's what I, I was thinking. The same thing. It's like, what Detroit team are we going to get? Are we going to get the four nothing shutout against Chicago, or are we going to get a high flying offensive? dynamo of adam ernie and whoever else is the flavor of the game um yeah i don't know like i i also to segue a little bit or um what was i gonna say oh my god i just lost it oh there it is <laughs> i got it um was it the calgary montreal game that we were arguing about last week Yeah, Brad got both of those wrong, I think. Yeah, hell yeah. That feels good. When I remember those and then I see the highlights, I'm like, oh, yes. That's the good stuff. Um, anyways, um, yeah, Detroit's so volatile. I just don't know how to bet on them. I just feel like the uh, looking at this lineup, like you can game plan against the three guys who can score on this team. I'm feeling the under. I don't know how Dallas has been playing recently. Um, but clearly, Detroit is now regressing back to the mean. So I would I would feel comfortable going Dallas in the under.
1: I'm going to go with the exact same thing, and it's a pure emotional hedge. If I'm wrong, great Detroit wins. If I'm right, there's some money, you know? Yeah. Uh, Montreal, Edmonton, speaking of Canadian division games. Uh, Edmonton is the favor, uh, favored team, uh, minus 134. With the under being the underdog, they're expecting a lot of goals in these games. Over/under set at five and a half. I have no faith in the Montreal Canadiens. I don't know. I don't. know. In a high-flying game, I just have a hard time betting against Connor McDavid. If this is favored to be a high-scoring game, McDavid and Drysidle and what have you can come out and and produce. I'm going to take the favorites, Edmonton here. Yeah, I'm going to go for the, the with the the safe bet. I'm going to go Edmonton in the over
0: yeah um montreal's basically 500 in their last 10 games so essentially a coin flip but when he got guys like mcdavid and dreisaitl and even a tyson Barry who's having a f- very good season um it's kind of hard to bet against them just in terms of straight up uh winner or loser the over under I just don't really know what to think of Montreal's goaltending this year. Carey price confuses me. Jake Allen's had a quiet good year. I I don't really know what to take on the over under. I'm taking Oilers. What was it? Five and a half. Yeah. I'll take over. You know, it never seems crazy to take an over when Edmonton is playing.
1: No. Uh, a matchup of Goliaths, the Tampa Bay Lightning at home against Carolina. Carolina are the underdogs, not a heavy underdog, plus 100. Tampa Bay minus 118 favorite. Over under set at five and a half, both sides of that coin with equal odds. Um, Tampa Bay has been a slumping team. I think they're like three, six, and one in their last 10 or something like that. And Carolina have won three straight. It might be an opportunity to get some underdog money.
0: Yeah, Carolina was the underdog. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a little wild to me um, because they've looked pretty darn good uh, of, of recent. So I'd be taking that underdog money all day. Yeah, and I don't that, know if I'd take the over. Like it's, I like the offense of both of those teams, but they don't give up a lot of goals either. Of them like any night, Vasilevsky could just stand on his head. Peter Mrazek got me a shutout in fantasy in his first start back. So. Damn it, it might be crazy, but I'll take the under.
1: Yeah, I think that's the exact same thing. I'm going to do. I'm going to take Carolina because I want some underdog money there. But yeah, the the uh, there's like four goalies between Carolina and Tampa Bay where I'm like, I think their average save percentage is like 9.75. It's something ridiculous. They're yeah, all share like the wealth. In their heads. Yeah, for real. Um Yeah, I'll go Carolina in the under here. Yeah, why not? Um, Okay, that is that. Are, those are some picks, which inevitably, Evan, you're going to you beat me like a drum with yet again, uh, the FanDuel Sportsbook. Currently, there is a promotion on where you can bet $1,000 for your first bet risk-free if you win, you keep the cash, and if you lose, you get $1,000 back in site credit. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with a risk-free bet with of a grand, and be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code WWP. You must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia, Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789, 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. All right, let's get to overtime, and we are going to start with our incredible Patreon supporters, uh, who are the reason we're able to make this show go around and rip on Brad while he's not here. North Moto says, do you guys know where I can get that hat that Verano was wearing in his first interview after practice? Uh, It's black with the red label. Um, I saw that. That's a sweet hat. I would imagine it'll pop up on the online store. If it's not there, it'll pop up within the next season or so.
0: It's the black hat with the Red Wings logo and it's like red outlining.
1: It has like the the letters D-E-T on it as well.
0: Oh, I've never seen that one.
1: It it was cool. I remember saying it was cool. Also, Brad's tweet was featured as breaking news on the O Nyquist channel. Oh Well, screw you, Brad. We're not telling you. No, just kidding. We'll tell him. Uh, Thanks for the hard work. Hard work, guys. Best podcast, hands down. Thank you, North Moto. That means a lot to us. Quaz says, so this Red Wings team is very hot, cold. One day dominate. Next day, get caved. Such as life. Yeah. That's bad teams.
0: Yeah. That's what bad teams do. Good teams are consistent.
1: Silver lining? Last year we didn't even have the hot part. It was just pure cold.
0: It was it was ice cold and cold.
1: Uh Harun Khan says it's early, but watching Mantha be the Mantha we all know he could be hurts. It makes you question where Detroit would be if Blashoe wasn't there. Also, do you think he's back next year?
0: I Quick mean, yes Washington or no. is also like in a good spot, right? Like yeah. Detroit is not like it doesn't is just a component of that.
1: Quick yes or no. Is Blashoe back next year? Yes. I'm going to say no. Just go up. Well,
0: we don't have a tiebreaker, so that's no. <laughs> what we got to go with for now.
1: Uh, looks like we have to have the debate again. Uh, Antonio Gracia says, how much does consistency depend on coaching? With crazy ups and downs, uh, how much is on the players versus the coaching staff? I'm not one of those people that thinks coaches don't affect change. I think coaches have a big impact on hockey teams, and that's from, you know, the minor levels all the way up to the NHL. I think consistency is one of the hallmarks of how your coaching staff is doing. That's my take.
0: And, you know, players are responsible to get up for games, but the coaches instill that, hate to say it, that culture of being ready. Like, how many times was that the Red Wings just not play the first period under Mike Babcock then he goes to Toronto and it's the exact same thing clearly there's there's some sort of um, correlation between that so I think the coaches play a huge role in the consistency of the team
1: and there's always the conversation like the straw man for this when people are like well Patrick Kane's gonna get up and he's gonna do Patrick Kane things no matter who's behind the bench and like yeah that's true but you're also talking about the most extreme example on your team
0: you're not worried team. about your superstars getting up for games and getting points because they always will. They will always find a way. It's it's the depth players. It's the the guys who are super I shouldn't say emotional, but like their game is very you know, depends on their confidence. And yeah. The coaches definitely have a part to play in that.
1: The average NHL player isn't a superstar, and the average NHL player has a pretty you know big range of how they can play on any given night getting the most out of your players is your job and the nhl isn't the nba where you know lebron james can wake up and just literally win a game himself where everyone else sucks around him but he went off and they win that's just not how hockey works you need you know three of your four lines and two of your three d pairs to be at firing at least and and that's that's not all patrick Kane's. it's a lot of adam ernie's it's a lot of churn there's a lot of you know depth players in there not that those
0: absolutely are yeah
1: um john evans says hello gentlemen greetings from ohio wanted to share a story about mantha i was fortunate enough to attend the roast of mickey redmond as a fundraiser for the jamie daniels foundation a lot of players were there and mantha being as big as he is he's hard to miss after the show was over i noticed a fan stopped to ask him a question and slowly a crowd began to form around him i watched him graciously talk to every single fan he could like he had all the time in the world for every person he met uh that wanted to talk to him Seemed like a very cool, down to earth moment. And while I like the return for him, he'll still be missed. Seems like a very good guy, and I hope he has success in Washington. That's a good story. I feel the exact same, John. Uh, The worst person imaginable says, Let's overreact. Who's going to win the Calder, Raymond or Moritz? I'm going to say Cider just because he's more NHL ready.
0: What were my two options, Raymond or Cider? Yeah. I'll say Raymond. Ooh. It's very difficult for defensemen to win the Calder. You said Calder, right? Yeah. Yes.
1: Uh, Matt McKay says, hey, guys, thanks for all the great content. Just curious what your coaching wish list would be to replace the current coaching staff. Larry Onoff, I would love Gronberg to get a look anywhere in the NHL, actually. Um, Gallant, although, or Lane Lambert. This is a pretty restrictive list because the world of coaching is kind of unknown to to fans. You never know what random assistant or college level guy is going to get a look to.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's sort of the list for me as well. Um, the storyline with Gallant is too good to be true, but I hope I hope it c- could come to fruition. Um, I also like what larianov has got uh, going on in Russia, and you know we've we are the Ricard Gronberg um, punting uh people we put we punt that guy we're gonna get him in at some point yeah um i we think very highly of him so i'm not i don't know if a detroit is <laughs> where you'd want to make your landing in the nhl you'd probably want to go to a good team that needs an assistant coach but stranger things have happened uh tape to tape <laughs> and i make one i make
1: actually i make several typos in my tweets but they always inevitably end up becoming patreon name instead of tape to tape pass i wrote tape to tape i forgot the a so this, this next comment from tape to tapes says hello dub dub boys weird how mantha a highly skilled player plays better with other skilled players makes you feel vindicated uh, other thing of note is caps fans will have to deal with the ridiculous Habs fan trade proposals do you guys have any predictions for vilano number of games to expect or expectations we covered expectations a little bit for number of games i'll say he plays five
0: yeah i'll i'll think unless something completely disastrous happens whether it be injury or he just has zero game i'll say he plays the max he's allowed
1: okay um evans bingo card says hey guys i got engaged last night hey congratulations that's awesome um so it's been a good weekend, good weekend already. Happy for Big Mo doing Big Mo things in Washington. I was wondering what you think Verona's contract will be and when do you think would be the best time to move him if you were Eisman? Thanks for all the great work. Keep killing it. I don't see this being more than a two-year deal. Max three. I, I think Heisman is pretty clear about wanting to bring guys back on short-term deals. Um. I don't know what the comparables are. I have to look a little bit more into it. I think Brad would have a better sense off the top of his head. You're looking at a, a, a short contract, so you're not looking at high dollar value. You're not looking He's at- He's still your, an RFA. Yeah.
0: So I don't know how that would affect it.
1: he I mean, That's good negotiating power for Detroit, right? Big time. He has arbitration rights. He's making, what, 3.35 right now. He's due for a raise just based on his performance in limited minutes in Washington um
0: yeah when you go 24 then 25 goals typically you get a pay raise at some capacity yeah i don't think he's gonna break the bank that's for sure um but you're an rfa you don't have a whole ton of of uh wiggle room there so you know if they got him for like five and a half i don't know his comparables or anything but He he's got a great skill set, and I think that's a very manageable contract, regardless of term.
1: I honestly think he'll come in cheaper than that. I think it'll be like two years, three years, and under five and a half. But that'd be great. Yeah, I think actually, surprisingly enough, I think a lot will ride on how he finishes the season too.
0: Me too. There's also you know not a lot of money being thrown around right now in the NHL, so that will definitely affect it. So really, I think it's all lining up to be sort of a the the negotiation for the team is is in better position than it is for the player
1: yeah i'm gonna dive a bit deeper into the comparables and see what we might expect
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh andrew bohan says hello anthony
0: mantha that's his comparable
1: yeah i mean yeah uh hello my lovely dub dub boys uh with half the team on free agency at the end of the year who would you keep who'd you replace? and who with do you think this team looks much the same next year or should we expect big changes we won't go player by player because that's a full episode someday um yeah players i bring back um i've got I, th-
0: two uh three i'd bring back who are that who are they four i'm bringing back i bring back bobby ryan bernier <laughs> no one on defense <laughs> um san and luke glendening
1: yeah i'm not bringing back mark i'm excluding the rfas here i'm not bringing back yeah. mark Stahl. Um, even on a minimum deal. I'm not interested in that really. Bernier. Yeah. You know, Bobby Ryan. Yes. I'm happy if they bring back Sam Gagne. I don't think he's like the best option. Of them. Yeah. He could easily not, not bringing back Philpla. I'm sorry. I'm not bringing back Helm even on a minimum. I was
0: either. Someone's going to pick up or sign Sam Gagne for a cheap contract. Just be cheap depth. Or he might be a PTO guy somewhere yeah. in the league.
1: He seems like a great dude in the locker room, honestly, and he's not a complete stinker on the ice, and that's enough for me for to, to fill Detroit's fourth line. Yeah, sure. Cnod says, uh, "Back to reality a little bit. This team has a lot to accomplish before contending. More competitive, but no game breaking talent. Say what you want about Chicago, but Kane can steal a lot of players or steal a lot of hockey games, even with a subpar team. Thanks for the pod.
0: That's like exactly what we were talking about before we started. Was yeah. I didn't watch the game last night, so I watched the recap, and I was just first thing I said was. Patrick Kane is still one of the best players in the league.
1: Yeah. Like game breaking ability, truly, which is why it kills me when people have Patrick King comparables. Cause I'm like, how, how can you even say that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Who's the Connor McDavid comparable? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah, it's, he's his own tier of good. Uh, La Plata
1: peak says AJ Hinch was on the 119 loss. 03 tigers. Dan Campbell was on the and 16 lions. The 85-86 Red Wings won 17 out of 80 games. Uh, Same number of wins out of 71 last season. Gerard Gallant was on that team, just saying. That is a phenomenal point. And we love tradition in Detroit.
0: (laughs) We love our tinfoil hats on this podcast, so keep those coming. 2022
1: Selkie runner-up Adam Ernie Stanclub says, Buffalo looks so much better with a mildly competent rookie head coach than some jabroni pretending he's a knockoff of Barry Trotz. I wonder if that's at all relevant to the Red Wings.
0: It's almost like if you play the wrong systems for the players you have, they play poorly.
1: Yeah, imagine not getting good results out of Eichel and Dolin. Like,
0: yeah, when you let your creative players be creative and do their own thing a little bit, it's it's wild. It's wild how much better they are.
1: Uh, Banana is larger says, "Hey guys, has Brad picked up Richard Panic for his fantasy team and then changed his name to pa- na- team name to Panic at the Crisco?"
0: <laughs> hold hold that thought. Hold that thought. Where the hell is Brad in our fantasy league? Last,
1: although I think he's. I was just larger. looking for
0: that stupid dog picture. <laughs> he loves that picture. He has not picked up. Oh man, Brad, you
1: got to commit to the bit. Come on, man.
0: Sure, your uh, daughter's in
1: the hospital getting stitches right now, but really, you really got to prioritize here.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a rough looking team. I'll tell you that.
1: Yeah. Conrad Lincoln, the black, black lumberjack says, good day, gents. I've been listening for years, but I haven't been listening long enough to know what the origins of stay fresh cheese bags is here to share. Adam Ernie's hall of famer. Yes, we should do this more often because we have to remember that people tune in at different points and uh, we honestly treat all of our listeners and fans and people we interact with as like our friends. Like that's genuinely how we think of you guys. Um, so we forget that <laughs> we have to explain this. um, Joseph Fournier saw the phrase Stay fresh cheese bags used somewhere as like a a leave the room quip like a an outro, if you will, and it just stuck in his patreon comments, and I noted it. I was like, that's a hysterical thing to say. and so he started just saying stay fresh cheese bags. And then Rowan, uh, being the, as I mentioned on the previous episode, uh, quintessential Australian Red Wings fan, he is made it into an absurdist literal joke, uh, full of, uh, shitposting and trolling. And so he talked about stay fresh cheese bags as a physical product. If you're like, that's the stupidest origin for an inside joke ever. Yeah. Welcome to the winged wheel podcast um sam w says how is it possible that brad or how possible is it that brad has limiting beliefs when it comes to rasmussen he just turned 22 yesterday some big players take a little longer to be themselves at the next level i know we don't need to get overhyped about a ninth overall uh becoming an nhl player but isn't he showing some signs of being someone who can make a difference out there what would it take for him to justify his draft position also did you see lindstrom lay out doc granted doc was off balance but still i like the kid y- yeah We covered it last episode and, you know, I don't want to sit here and say Brad's definitely wrong. while he's not here. I don't think that's, you know, all joking aside, like we should probably bring this back up when he's here, but I think it's super hard to detach the ninth overall. I don't see Rasmussen living up to a ninth overall pick, but if you consider him relative to that draft class, maybe, yeah. Um, What does he need to do? He needs to stick on that second, third line performance. He needs to be a power play contributor and he needs to continue to improve. Again, I mean what I said last episode. I'm stripping away all of that context when I think about Michael Rasmussen. I'm treating him as if he's a a random second, late second, third, fourth round pick who's making it up through the ranks. And it's a lot more excited to be or a lot more easy to be excited about him that way. So yeah, I I, I think if you're really attached to the draft stock, which is what with without speaking for him while he's not here what Brad is, it is easy to limit your beliefs on Rasmussen. And I, I need, We, I think fans need to really kind of step away from that as hard as that is to say.
0: Yeah. I think at this point, the expectations are somewhere in the second, third line, be a solid contributor on the power play in some capacity and have a long, hopefully a long career. You know, if he doesn't live up to the, the ninth overall pick playing 500 games well if you get a thousand games out of a guy like him at number nine doesn't really matter what his stat line is you didn't have to fill a place in your roster for a thousand games 800 900 games whatever uh, like that's a, i don't think rasmussen will get to a thousand games because that's a lot of games and not many guys have done it but if you can get some longevity out of him i think that's perfectly fine
1: uh matt s says if you had a choice what would you prefer a top two defenseman that can score 20 goals a season or a number one center who's a point per game player keep up the good work dub dubs
0: so would you rather say. have tyson barry or mark shifley
1: yeah it pains me to say but i'll take the number one center every time yes point per game over your career yeah uh mike seward says how many games do you guys predict lucas raymond plays in the nhl next season
0: nine I i don't have a good grasp on which prospects will stick and which won't if there's any team for him to have a chance of making it is Detroit
1: I think he's a year removed from sticking in Detroit but I think we'll see him for at the audition
0: I would like to get a good look for sure
1: uh AJ Voss says decider possibly contend for Calder the Calder trophy next year
0: so hard to tell without knowing what other rookies are coming into the NHL
1: I I think there's a chance. Um, I think it might be a little bit limited because of he he might not put up massive offensive numbers, so he might not get the attention that he necessarily deserves. But yeah, I I think there's a chance.
0: Yeah. Uh, The one thing I was thinking about was, I was thinking, did Aaron Ekblad win the Calder? I think he did. Aaron Ekblad. Calder. I'm pretty see. sure he did. So, I, and I don't know if yeah, Florida did. was very good when he won. So, um, you could kind of look at what his numbers were like as a Calder winner. Um, getting there, trying to talk really slowly. He had 12 goals, and he was half a point per game player with 12 goals.
1: That's, well, I mean, that's a lot of offensive output for a rookie defenseman, right? So yeah,
0: I hard. think 12 goals would be good for Moritz Cider as a veteran defenseman <laughs> yeah if he's putting 12 up as a rookie a would be really good
1: yeah um third man in says as a sidebar to monday's question about uh, offer sheeting Elias Pettersson. uh although the wings should totally offer sheet Elias peterson what are the rules on the compensatory first round picks could a team only offer sheet a player at the highest tier if they still own their next four consecutive first round picks or could it be the next four first round picks they still had even if those were spread out over six or seven years Good tool is Cat Friendly's Offer Sheet Calculator. It'll show you what team meets the requirements um, as to who owns their pick. And it has to be their picks. I believe you can trade, like if you don't own your picks anymore, you can trade back for them and get them. the draft picks must be available in the nearest entry draft unless the compensation requires two or more draft picks in the same round. An extra year can be used for compensation for these picks. If two first round picks are required, the club must have two first round picks available in the next three drafts. Okay. So that, that's a little bit different. Yeah. So I was wrong, uh, in my initial thoughts. So you, you can have, um, a little bit of leeway there. Okay. Don Mitchell says, how weird is Patrick Marlowe breaking Gordie Howe's game's played record going to be? And what's a bucket list type of memorabilia that you're looking for? It's very weird to see Gordie Howe's records fall, especially like no slight to Patrick Marlowe, but Gordie Howe's like Mount Rushmore of hockey level and Patrick Marlowe's not. So it's really strange to see that fall. But yeah.
0: Yeah, it's super, super bizarre because that's going to be one of those weird trivia questions and Maybe even just ten years. <laughs> no, honestly, and it's going to be who's there's going to be a lot of people who get stumped by that because you're going to think you know Gordy Howe played f- five g- generations. It feels like I know it's Patrick Marlowe. Super, it'll be super weird. Uh, Don's holy
1: grail or bucket list memorabilia that he's looking for was uh, up until last year was a section of boards from the Joe. Was fortunate enough to find a big section and grabbed it before the world ended. Thanks as always, stay safe, drink water, buy Dogecoin, and let's go Red Wings. Aggressive Viper says, where do you see Valeno fitting in the organization? Uh, Will he get a shot to play, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, we mentioned uh, Valeno. Where does he fit in? Hopefully third line center.
0: That's what I was thinking. If if he struggles, move him to the wing, whatever, shelter him. Let him dip his toes.
1: Lars, the prophet of the towering behemoth, says if we get rid of all the UFAs after this season, replace them all with cider. Uh, and maybe a few other prospects then add some free agents to fill it out what's the risk that we improve just enough to end up in the mushy middle and get mid first rounders for the rest of the rebuild this is almost an argument to offer sheet uh petterson get petterson and hand over four first rounders for 2022 to 2025 suddenly sounds more appealing right isn't
0: 2022 the bedard or is that the shane Wright draft
1: that's a shane Wright draft the next one's the bedard draft and yeah
0: i prefer to you know be a, uh, be in the running for those two players um so maybe maybe we can wait maybe someone else will come up
1: that's going to be a big argument cuz i think there's a lot of merit to it uh seattle kraken power play specialist dennis d sauce says hey fellas looks like some things are becoming more clear like how the expansion draft might shake out in regard to Larza's comment if steve doesn't tend to offer sheet peterson then this rebuild must be sped up he'll have to overpay for him and quickly plug other holes this team can't afford to continue to suck if it lacks its next four first round picks does that spell the end for blash does a player like DeKaiser kaiser and nielsen get bought out Do you make a UFA signing? Also, there's just a few players signed for next season. Many are RFAs who will definitely be retained, and a couple UFAs who will likely be back. As long as John Merrill returns, that's what matters most, his glorious flow. Finally, to answer the age-old question of why is Darren Helm, uh, the great George Malik uh, reminded us that Darren Helm married Ken Holland's niece during the same summer he signed his current contract. Womp, womp. I forgot that that was the same summer, but I did know. Ozzy for Hall of Fame. Stay fresh cheese bags. Tyler C says picks are six in 2025. 20, Would you rather Wallstett and stenkoven or Johnson and Kosa? Oh, Johnson and Kosa for sure. Or Kosa. I don't
0: really know. I haven't done my uh, my studying of the prospects so far, but isn't Wallstett, Wallstett's the goalie, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, Wallstedt- isn't he predicted Kosa. to be
0: a much higher pick?
1: Uh, I don't know the goalies. Do they go higher than six usually? Hard to I say. I don't know. Yeah, Costa's also a goalie who's, who's looking pretty oh. strong.
0: Well, yeah. that, that just shows you how much I've uh, read up on this draft.
1: Stevie Langerman says, let's go Verona. Let's go pick 20. Honestly, boys, I think those, this is the most uh, exciting moment being a Wings fan since Raymond. I miss Mantha. I think he's great, but I'm stoked for the next steps for this team. Great trade deadline coverage, and thanks again for the pod. Aside from the Wings, who won the trade deadline? Who lost? Columbus won for getting the picks that they did for the players that they lost. I think that's Buffalo definitely true. Buffalo was a true. loser. Yeah, that's that's what comes to mind. It has to be Buffalo.
0: I'd say Detroit was a winner.
1: Matt Whip says who's more likely to uh blow up in college, Tuomisto or Master Simone?
0: That's Master a Simone. Question.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think Master Simone's offensive game is more you know, more apt for for big performances, so if if his skill continues to progress, he might be more noticeable. All right, time for some Reddit comments. Top comment here from I am Joe nineteen ninety four says, "No question, but you guys are my favorite. Thank you, Joe. Um, I know that's secretly Evan, but I appreciate it." Um, all right, Evan, start picking some random numbers between one and six. Six. If Columbus can't get Line A resigned, do you think his trade value would be low to, due to his relatively relatively high qualifying offer at seven point five mil? And if so, should Eisman get involved?
0: I'd be grabbing Line A for seven point five mil.
1: I don't think Yarmo lets it happen. I think no. they replace Tortorella before they move on from line A.
0: Oh, 100%. Or
1: if they move on from line A, then they're also definitely moving on from Tortorella. MJC's seven oh six says with two first round picks and three second round picks, do you expect a trade up? And if so, what would it cost to get back into the top 15?
0: This Maybe draft is this- weird. You know, in a normal draft, we could probably come up with some sort of perspective value on that but there might be a lot of teams that just sit pat because they're thinking there's going to be a ton of guys available at the picks that they want but that could also you know be the opposite they be like we'll trade back because we know there's going to be lots of guys available so i don't know this year it's it's going to be a weird draft or it won't be and this will all be for naught.
1: all right i'm going to randomly pick a comment here because can't trust you uh okay uh, on the oh, more offer sheets this is from anto anto May anto me says on the topic of offer sheets uh let's say detroit did manage to sign a player like petterson do you think it would then be more difficult to get players like zadina ronick etc to sign a team friendly deal if there's already a newly signed player making over 10 million a year uh once you start broaching that that level players are going to know that you're going to be willing to sign away that kind of money so it's tough that's, that's a really good point mm-hmm. there's no one on Petr- at Pedersen's level on this team of course but
0: yeah yeah that's 100 percent right okay
1: uh what do you think we should wrap this one up let's wrap this one up thank you all for tuning in uh apologies for those who uh, were looking forward to hearing uh the dulcet tones of brad's voice he will be back um keeping mika in our thoughts right now as she's going through a little bit of a rough time getting stitches poor kid uh, but thanks for bearing with us we'd like to thank all of our listeners our name level sponsors Arjun shanker uh Eve bartel on behalf of the sarah Garon foundation brett bailey terry driver of evans furk wagon taylor tagel brandon m citizen high five craig kibble Evan selling dirty shoes on OnlyFans, Greech, Honalee, Hassam al Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Jeremiah Dobo, Joe Santangelo, Caitlin Wood, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Luke Johnson, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, uh, Sam Bankson, Adam, Aggressive Viper, another former junior goalie turned golfer, Antonio Gracias, Connor Leighton and Evans Bingo Card. Congrats again on being engaged. Fine. Crisco, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Joseph Minema, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Oz, good as it gets, and Seattle Kraken Power Play Specialist, Dennis Desos Choloski, Stan Olson, Trevor Pepevar. Thank you all so much.